taken from the, the book of Acts, chapter 5, and it was from verses 38 to 42. The book of Acts, chapter 5, verses 38 to 42. And it reads, And now I say unto you, Refrain from these men, and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest happily ye be found even to fight against God. And to him they agreed. And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Amen. I just pray that the Lord will lead me and strengthen me and bring to my mind my remembrance the matters he wants to share with his beloved people today so that I can expound on this word so your word will go forth like a hammer smashing stone to pieces and that your word will strengthen your saints and that your word today will edify, fortify, surround your people, hallelujah, with the presence of God, so we can go forth into victory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The scripture that I started to read here is a dialogue from a man called Gamiel. And Gamiel was the high priest in Israel. And not only was he the high priest, but he was highly influential amongst the priests. So he was a man who all the others recognized and paid attention to. So at this point in time, the high priests, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees were extremely perplexed because the way that God was using the apostles, the early disciples of Jesus, to spread the gospel of Christ. Not only were they spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, 
but people that were bound were becoming set free. And this perplexed the Pharisees and all of the religious elite. And they had tried every method to stop the spread of the gospel. Every method. They had beaten the apostles. They had ridiculed the apostles. They had thrown them into prisons. They had slandered their reputations. And nothing seemed to stop the spread of this gospel. So Gamaliel, the man who is talking here, the man who is saying to his peers, I say to you, refrain from these men, that's the apostles, and leave them alone. This is what Gamaliel is saying to his peers. He says, for if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. Before he actually said this in the previous texts, Gamaliel was giving them examples of previous men who rose up in Israel against the establishment. Men who rose up and had accumulated a following of hundreds of people. And he reminded them that those men in the past rose up, had a thick following, and now they are no more. And he's saying, if these men, men like Peter, men like John, men like James, if these men, if their work is of men, it will come to naught. It will come to nothing. And in verse 39 he says, but if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it. Lest happily you will be found to be fighting against God. Hallelujah. Gamielo, Gam, Gamilayo, the man who was speaking here, had advised them that almost like just wait wait these men out wait it out because what they're trying to establish will soon come to naught because it's obvious that these men were not believing that the gospel was from god these men were believing that this gospel message of jesus christ was a message by men. And the Bible says that the, his peers, that's the high priests, they agreed with what he said. And again, they beat the apostles. They beat the, the men that followed Jesus. They beat them and they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus. That was their command. 
You can speak in any other name. But in the name of Jesus, we command you not to speak. The disciples left the council before their pairs, rejoicing, and they counted it worthy to suffer shame for Jesus' name. And they went forth and they continued daily in the temples and in every house they were um, invited in. They ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. The theme for the word today is called to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And from these verses, I'm going to look at three aspects. First, I'm going to look at the, the global resistance to this message. Then I'm going to look at the individual resistance to this message. And then I'm going to look at rejoicing to teach and preach this message. You know, in Christendom today, many ministries are obsessed with how can they present the message of Jesus Christ in more um, exciting ways. Many ministries are, you know, when you go to certain big, these tend to be the very popular churches, especially with young people. They have stage set, they have theatrics, they have lighting, they have all of these things um, of how to present the message from their speakers. But when you look in the word of God, when, when push comes to shove, it all comes down to one message. It all comes down to one message, to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That's what the message the world is fearing. And right now, in these last of the last days that we are in, I mean, you have to be deaf, dumb, and blind not to see the signs that's going on in the world today, to know that the, the world as we know it, Christ is coming again. You have to be deaf, dumb, and blind to think that everything that we're seeing is normal. We have to be deaf, dumb, and blind not to see that the world is changing right before our very eyes. Very rapidly, things are changing. The governments are changing things that life will never be like it was before. And all of that change is motivated 
And the, the, the point I'm going to say now, all of these changes is motivated by one spirit, the spirit of Antichrist. It might look over there that it's in the entertainment industry. It might look on my right-hand side that that is in the educational industry. It might look over there that it's in the pharmaceutical industry. It might look over there that the changes is coming and it's in the political industry. But regardless of what industry it is, it's all motivated under one spirit. And that spirit is the spirit of Antichrist. And the Antichrist hates to hearing of the teaching and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Everything is moving fast and rapidly on the global stage. Where in the West, countries like the United Kingdom... You couldn't, if you if you had taken someone from in the 1950s in the United Kingdom, transported them to 2023, they would not recognize this country at all. They would be shocked and appalled by how standards have fallen, by how things that is wicked and bad. The, the governments and the system is calling them good. And the things that are good, they are calling them bad. Everything is changing all around the world. I used to think that countries like Jamaica sis, would be immune to these changes. But you go to Jamaica today, it, you cannot recognize it. The things they're doing, the things they are accepting as normality. You would say, this couldn't be my pretty, pretty Jamaica that I left 30 years ago. That's gone now down to the dogs. It is a spirit of antichrist that is moving through the governments, through the nations, through systems, industries to change laws and times so that this antichrist feeling is the normal way of life why do you think that in the schools they want to indoctrinate children this high children at five six seven with the criteria that you're not born a boy or you're not born a girl uh, that's that's what you've you is well, that's what they assigned you. Hmm? It's so that these people kids will grow up, believe in this madness, and be filled with this spirit of antichrist. Hmm? Right now we're seeing wars everywhere in the world. And Jesus said that we would hear of these things, that there would be wars and rumours of wars everywhere around the world. This was the signs of his coming, that there would be wars and rumours of wars. 
every single country, there is division. Every single country, there is discord. Before, if you came to this country even 40 years ago, governments and opposition could sit down and agree for the greater good of the people what needs to be done. But these days, regardless of what country you look at, there is a polarization between the red and the blue, if I was to use just, just the colours, between the red side and the blue side, there, there is the appearance of a polarisation. But whether you vote red or whether you vote blue, the things never change, they still remain the same. Because behind them it is not the red or the blue. Behind them it is one spirit, the spirit of Antichrist. And that is the global resistance to this message. In the scripture, this man was exacerbated because they had beaten the apostles. They had imprisoned them. They had ridiculed them. They had scoured their name. But nothing seemed to stop the spread of this message. What is it about this message that the world hates? If you go on TV in an interview and you talk about um, yoga and you talk about Hinduism and you talk about all the other religions they have all the time in the world to hear you out but the minute you mention Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Saviour they will cut the interview there in the middle if you don't believe me just go on the, the, the internet and google it you will see, especially in America, there's a lot of Americans who, when a sports star, he's been interviewed after a game, or after a match of baseball, or after a match of foot, American football, or basketball. And when they ask him, what has he got to say about the game? And then he starts to talk about Jesus Christ. They cut the interview, they're dead. There is a spirit of Antichrist against this message. But there is also individual resistance to this message. The chief priest, this man that was here, he feared this message and it spread. And if you want to know how the disciples, how the apostles would articulate. If you were to ask Peter, John or James, what, how would you summarize the message? They would point, point you to 1 Corinthians 15, verses 4 and 5. Two very important verses to understand the crux of the message that the disciples and the apostles preached. The message in 1 Corinthians 15 verses 4 and 5 says that Jesus Christ 
died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried that he was raised physically on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve and it goes on to describe the hundreds of other people who witnessed the risen Christ according to prophetic scripture that was the message that they preached you need to remember that when these disciples walked the earth 2,000 years ago they didn't have a bible they didn't have acts they didn't have hebrews they didn't even have the written gospels matthew mark luke and john all they could preach from was the old testament and all they could preach from is where jesus fulfilled the prophecies of the old testament according to the scriptures that's why he says when isaiah or jeremiah and other old testament prophets would prophesy of the coming messiah and all the things that jesus fulfilled he completed every single one and it was when they would preach from these old testament scriptures that would convict the then the jews at that time that truly jesus was and is the messiah hallelujah that's why these men feared this message so much this message was not a message of getting rich quick this message was not a message of a revolution and taking over the city this message was not a message of a new way of thinking this message would change humanity completely forever and when individuals have this resistance to this message it makes them do evil things I remember when the gospel in the gospels it talks about when Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem and how the wise men traveled from the east because they followed the stars they were already looking for confirmation of the scriptures and they saw it in the stars and when they came to Israel to come and find the king, the newborn king, who would save his people from their sins, as it is written in the Old Testament. He, they met Herod, the king of that area. And Herod said to them, when you find the baby, Come and tell her, tell me, so I can go and worship him too. But we know that Herod was lying. He had only one intention. In his mind, straight away, in his mind, he's thinking, him alone is the king. Only one, you know, like when you used to grow up and your dad is in, the, he said, only one bull in this pen. 
You can't have more than two bull in the pen. So Herod was thinking, there's no way he's going to allow there to be a threat of another person who the people would call a king. And you know what Herod, King Herod did? He issued a decree that all boys born under the age of two were to be killed. This is to show you that the system, the spirit of Antichrist will go to any length to try and stop this message coming out. And they killed all the boys under the age of two. So many people fear this message. The religious elite, they martyred the disciples, they beat them, they imprisoned the believers. They made their lives like hell. Many believers lost their livelihood just by professing their faith. And this, you can see, is even happening today. There are personalities and celebrities who, when they go on their Twitter account or they go on their Facebook account and they put out a scripture verse and they say, I believe this scripture verse, their employer calls them into the office and sacks them today and says to them is that that verse is causing an offence to certain groups of people. Jesus shared a, a parable of how the message goes forth to individuals. And in, it, in Matthew chapter 13, he talks about a farmer or a man sowing seed in his, in his farm or vineyard. And you know, when they sow the seed, they just flash it. It just gets flashed. No one is particular, let's say, put it there, put it there. It's just flashed out, flashed out. And that is how Jesus views the message. We just got to make it go out. We just got to make it go out. We just got to make it go out. And wherever it lands, it lands. And he says that some, some of the seed will fall on the wayside. That means it will fall on the roadside, on the cement, the hard concrete. And that seed will just get snatched away by the ravens, the birds. And he said, and some will go into that stony ground. There's a little bit of earth, little cracks. And some will go into there. And then some other seed will fall amongst thorns and thistles. And then some seed will fall on what is called good ground. And Jesus explained it this way. He said, the seed that went on the wayside is like the people when they hear this message, it is instantly snatched away by the Antichrist. People who hear the message straight away, Jesus loves you, repent of your sins and be saved. People, when they hear that message, instantly the enemy just makes them rage and they reject it instantly. 
And the ones that are on stony ground are like those people who may they hear it initially and it may make sense and they start to listen to it. But just a minute when it starts to try and grow roots and grow up, it is taken away. There are some people that that kind of represents the environment that they live in. Because what they would do, they would hear the message and the church service. And then they will go home. And then they will share it with their friends and family. And say, you know, this is what they heard the preacher say. And you know what? Jesus Christ is Lord. And they will say these things. But then their friends and their family scoff at them, ridicule them, laugh them, and may even cuss them. They may even tell them, if you, if you even dare come in this house and say you're a Christian, you have to come out. They would say things like that. And for that person, the stony ground represents straight away the spirit of Antichrist removes the seed from their heart. And they will never go back to church. And they will never listen to the gospel again. And those where it falls on thorns and thistles are those who hear, hear the word. But again, the environment that they are in is not conducive for their spiritual growth. They're in an environment that is creating so much hostility against them. That like, represents like the thorns and the thistles trying to stop the, 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 the plant growing and reaching out and blossoming because it's surrounded by thorns and thistles. But what you need to do is if a Christian is in that situation, and I've met many in my life where they are the one person in their household who is born again. They're surrounded by people who are trying every day to be like the fawns and the thistles. You just need to have a made-up mind and follow Jesus. And lastly, there are seeds that are thrown onto good ground. And these seeds are those who slowly over time grow in the Lord. It doesn't happen overnight, sis. It sometimes it takes years and years and years. Sometimes it can take decades of time for that person to start to grow slowly, but they're slowly growing in the Lord so that soon they will bear good fruit for God and they too would turn one day and share this message to somebody else. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. So there is so much resistance to this message as we have seen here in the text. But what was telling is the disciples were not downcast because the people rejected them. The disciples of Christ, the apostles of this age and this scripture, were not downcast because the chief priests and their may have been their peers in the past were rejecting their message. The word says that they rejoiced. They rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for Jesus' name.
You have to know God for yourself. To be able to understand that when you are a child of God, we're not standing on the likes of peers and people in the world. None of them can save you. Even if you ask them, they can't save themselves. But so many people in these last days are worried about what these people think about them. Whereas the disciples, these men, the word says that they actually rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for Jesus' name. Hmm? Why is this message so important? Why is this message so resisted? There is nowhere on the planet Earth that a message is resisted like this one. If you were to go on primetime television and you spoke so much foolishness and madness of the world, they would applaud you. But then when you speak this message that is so important for everyone, they will reject you. The message is important because this message is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Hallelujah. It is the power of God unto salvation to anyone who believes. And that's why the spirit of Antichrist is so resolved to stop this message going forth. It is the only way that someone can be saved. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hallelujah. That's why they want them to shut up because they don't want people to hear the word of God. That's why they said they commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus. Because they know even if we just say the name of Jesus in the midst of a hundred people, someone can be saved. Just by saying his name, the demons will bow. Just by saying his name, the captives can be set free just by saying his name. That's why there is such resistance from that spirit of Antichrist against this message. And I want to encourage you today that not only is your message what you speak, your message is how you live. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Your Christian witness is how you live. 
how you walk with the Lord. And I'm telling you, Satan will testify you. The more you walk with the Lord, is the more sometimes the enemies going to try to attack you. Because he doesn't want that testimony, that light of God to shine through you to convict someone around you from believing on Jesus Christ for their personal salvation. What he wants is you to be a Christian who you've been in a workplace working for 40 years and then one day you have a, a special meeting and you invite your peers and your peers turn around and look you in your face and they say, is it? I didn't know you was a Christian after working with them for 40 years. That's the kind of Christian the devil wants us to be where your witness is poor. When they go pub and drink and get vomit and sick and do all kind of things, you go pub, get drunk, vomit and sick too. That's why they don't think you was a Christian. You're just like them. Your witness is a light unto God. Hallelujah. And you know this true when I'm saying this. That once they know you're a Christian, they're going to be watching you. You better be on your P's and your Q's. I remember once, <clears throat> when, as a young Christian, I went to this baby's dedication. I wasn't dedicating the baby, I was invited as a guest. But the grandfather of the child is a Jamaican man. <laughs> and he knew that I was a Christian. And you know the first thing he said to me? He came with the bottle of rum. And he said to me, what are you having? <laughs> and he had the biggest smile on his face. Because what he wanted to see is if I said, yeah, man, me a drink, I'm going to drink with him. Then he would be happy in his heart because my witness would have been so poor. That's why the witness, your witness is as important as what you say. Because just imagine if my witness was poor like him. And, and I was drinking with him and chatting and listening to the stuff coming out of this man now. And then somewhere along the conversation, I turned to him and I say to him, you have to give your life to Jesus. He's going to laugh. He's going to laugh. Right? Because he knows more than some Christians what a Christian looks like. They know what a Christian looks like. And even though the pressure was on the men of God and the women of God during these days in the book of Acts, they considered it joy and they rejoiced when they were resisted by their peers. I want to say to you today that sometimes when you're going through this situation and you are the one person that is speaking Christ in your family. 
that you have to bear in mind what the word of God says for you. That yes, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil because why? God is with you. Hallelujah. God will bless you and keep you even though you're going through the storms, even though they don't understand you. God is with you and he will bless you and he will keep you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise God. God is with you and he will keep you to be that one person, that one example to them. There was a young man I met and he was, at the time he was a young white boy and he was one of those boys that is on the street preaching with his speaker. And he will travel all over the countries preaching and speak with his speaker. I don't think he even had a day job. He would just get on the coach and go like to Bradford. He'll get on the coach and go to Newcastle. He'll get on the coach and go to Bristol. And wherever the coach stop, he come off. <laughs> and he get his pen on his speaker. And he start preaching the gospel to everybody that was there. And he said, he said to me that what led him to Christ was his now deceased grandfather. He's not, he says he all he can remember was the example of his grandfather, even though he was a baby boy, a small lad growing up. His grandfather on his knees praying in the sitting room. And him being perplexed or understanding what his grandfather's doing. Sometimes he said when he was small, he would even laugh at his grandfather for this kind of foolishness. But one day he heard the gospel for himself and he said it was as if he all he could remember was the example of his grandfather and something broke in his heart and he knew that if he wanted to escape eternal hell and separation from God, he had to receive Christ into his heart. So your personal witness is so important. It is so important that you set that example to those around you. Hallelujah. That you stand for the life-saving message. That you make a stand for those who you love. That you make a stand on the promises of God. Praise the Lord. These men here, they said that they was even beaten. How many of us could get beaten and still go out and preach the name of Jesus? They got beaten and they still went out and preached his name. And they did this daily in the temple and they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. They ceased not to teach and to preach Jesus Christ. Why? Because he was wounded for our 
transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is on upon his shoulders. And by his stripes we are healed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some days you will go to places <clears throat> where there is an alternative message to this gospel. And they're very popular today. There are many churches with thousands of people in there, like, a, you're, like you're going into a cinema. And the big stage and everything like that. And sometimes they will be up there from morning to night and not once mention the name of Jesus. How, what a shame. But everyone goes in there and has a, a good time. That's what Paul talked about in 2 Timothy chapter 4 when he says that in the last days men will be, have itching ears drawing to themselves people that just tell them things they want to hear and not the truth. Saints, rejoice to preach and teach Jesus Christ. Saints, beloved, Rejoice in what Christ has done for you. Saints, rejoice in the truth. That is Jesus Christ saves. And that there's no other way to come unto salvation but through him. Jesus, that's why he says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one cometh unto the Father but by me. Rejoice in this message today. Be edified and strengthened by the message today. And be the light on a mountaintop so that those around you have a chance to be saved. God bless you. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise God. <clears throat>